Heavenly Father, we want to thank you again that we're here in the house, in the place where prayers want to be made. And Lord, we are so often conscious that uh, the church building is not the church, but we thank you, O oh God, that uh, the people are the church and the church meets together in this building. And Lord, uh, it is one, it is really good to meet together. But O oh God, we would long tonight that we'd have a meeting with God. We long, Father, that we'd hear the voice of God speaking to us. Lord, we long that we would hear from heaven tonight. And Lord, as Charlotte shares her testimony, we pray, God, that you would use her. Thank you for her willingness and, and desire, Lord, to serve you in this way. And oh God, I pray that, that you will take what she has to say. And Lord, fill our hearts tonight with joy and celebration and thanksgiving to God for what he has done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to get you to stand and sing, first of all, These Are the Days of Elijah. And I'll get this thing here going if I can. All right, you may as well stand because you're not going to get the same uh, delicate introduction that, uh, that Janice gives you. G? G? Oh, is this B flat? Oh, dear me. As long as the tires aren't flat.
Next song we're going to sing, we stay standing, we sing, it's a real old-fashioned one, old one. Years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not, my Lord was crucified. Can you see? songs, the good old-fashioned gospel songs. I told you once before that whenever we uh, sing the good old-fashioned ones way back in 50 years ago, God still worked then, and he can still work through them now. This one is, uh, because we're having a testimony night tonight as well, I'm not ashamed to own my Lord. Paul says to be instant in season and out of season, out of season. always be ready to give a reason for the hope that's within you with meekness and joy. If I was to call any one of you up here today and say, say would you share your testimony, would you do it? Would you do it? Oh, I couldn't do that, Pastor. Uh, well, Paul says, always be ready. In, I'm not ashamed. All right. Will we do this bluegrass style?
song to sing and then we're going to let you sit down. If you want to sit before then, please do so. But this song we really want to sing. It's amazing grace my chains are gone. Father, 
we thank you for the joy that's in our hearts. We, we're singing something wonderful, something meaningful. Lord, these, the idea that our chains are gone, we've been set free. Lord, the idea that we have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your own dear son, the very thought that we've been adopted into the family of God and our past is forgiven, our future is secure, we have a hope in Jesus Christ. And Lord, as we heard this morning, he is the first resurrection from the dead. He's the first fruits of salvation. He is, uh, we follow in the train of his triumph. Lord, thank you tonight we're not fighting for victory. We're not trying to be saved. We thank you that salvation is a finished work tonight. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. We thank you tonight, Lord, that there is hope for the hopeless sinner tonight. There's help for those who are beaten down and broken. There's help, Lord, tonight for those who are in darkness. There's light for those who are, who are blind to the things and the loveliness of Christ. There's love for those who feel unloved. Lord, there's liberty for those that are bound. Lord, there's meaning for those who have lost meaning and purpose in life. We thank you tonight, Lord. We've been singing, my chains are gone. What amazing grace we have in the house of God tonight. What a wonderful God. What a wonderful salvation. And there, Father, we want to commit ourselves to you now. We pray, dear God, as Charlotte comes just to share her testimony and tell her what the Lord has done for her, what he means to her. We pray, dear God, that you will use her. Take her up and use her. And Lord, we pray that not one soul will leave the same way they came in. Lord, we want to have an extra spring in our step. Lord, we want to have a deeper consciousness of God. We want to know, Lord, further and, and, and real freedom, Lord, like we've never experienced before. Lord, would you come with your Holy Spirit tonight? Would you, would you, would you envelop us in uh, the glory of the Spirit of God and the risen Christ? And we'll commend and commit ourselves to you now in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Thank you, Sharon. Sharon's going to come now and share with us. Charlotte, Sharon, why am I calling you, Sharon? Charlotte, thank you very much, Steve. Hello, everybody. I'm absolutely by myself, so you'll have to bear with me. Um, I've my oldest Bible with me because it goes back so long of when I first uh, came to God that all my things are in it. So it took me back actually uh, just exploring this a way back to um, when God first came into my life. And I'm so grateful. So we'll start a word in prayer and then I'll, I'll tell you all about it. <laughs> Father, I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity. I thank you that Trevor asked me, Lord, and there was so much of me wanting to say no. And then I heard you say, it's not about you. It's all about me. And it is, Father, it's all about you, God. So I just pray, Father, in this meeting tonight, Lord God, that every person would know you and not me, Father, and they go out with Jesus in their hearts, Lord. So just lock us in with your love tonight, Lord, and that's all it's about. Amazing grace if we've just sung, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, where is my... So I was born and bred in Ballymena, and uh, I still live in Ballymena in the Ballymena Road, but I was um, reared in the domains down at the swimming pool and uh, with a uh, mum a dad, a sister, down the back, Dylan, and a younger brother. And uh, I'm now married to Davy, and I have a son, Tyler and Maya, who are 24 and 21, all growing up. So, uh, as we were in, like, getting, grew up, we were 
just across the road from St. Patrick's Church, and that's where we went to, and I always knew about God, but um, I didn't, like, know him. I just knew he was there, and uh, I was made go to Sunday school and church every week, and I didn't like it. <laughs> I would have mooched if I could. <laughs> so um, there was only one Sunday school teacher I was very intrigued with, and I asked her how you become a Christian, and she says to me, you just say the prayer to God to ask him to forgive your sins, and uh, then you'll be a Christian. So I done it, and I believed that God never left my heels from that day. I didn't really have a lot of support that way, not that I didn't come from a loving family, I really did. My mum said her prayers every night of the week with us, and my nanny was a true Christian woman who I never seen got off her knees for the Lord, and she passed four years ago, and I just seen her growing that, and I always asked her, nanny, are you a Christian? So beware that people are always watching the young are watching us <laughs> and uh, the kids are watching you at home because I, I she always intrigued me so my mom always had a rule that we could leave church and Sunday school when we got confirmed so as long as you get confirmed you can then go and I chose to go as the Jillian I'm sure and uh, I was about 13, 14 years old at that time, and uh, the world was looking very nice, and uh, I decided to go out. And Jillian was two and a half years older than me, so when I was 13 and she was 15 and a half, I wanted to do all the things that she was doing. And I went out very early then. Uh, Mommy thought Jillian was looking after me, but I was looking after Jillian. <laughs> so, and that went on. <laughs> So, um, yeah, we uh, loved the discos and the drink, and then I hit the Kelly scene, and that was the rave scene. And uh, I wouldn't even want to tell you what went on in those days. People used to call it the Devil's Barn, and I would probably agree to that. And uh, it was good at the time. You thought you'd made it, but terrible, terrible uh, days after it and big diners. So... I thank God today that I met, met David when I was 17, because when you go in a relationship that's becoming serious, you start to settle to a degree. Me and him certainly did go out and stuff, but you do start to settle down again. And uh, we got married, I was 21. And the last time Dave told his testimony in here, he said I was best thing since sliced bread. I certainly am not. I never am off the man's back. <laughs> so, um, we got married and uh, life was good, few ups and downs, the beginning of your marriage. We're not Christians. Dave's Roman Catholic, which is, was great. Married in the Church of Ireland, and we had a son, Tyler. Healthy, and uh, it just seems this is great. And a year and a bit after Tyler was born, he was 14 months old, and he was, we were down the town one day, came back up home, and he had become very sick. So it was out of ours, and the doctor came round and said, look, it's just a bug. Um, nurse them all night, and well, it'll be grand. There's a bug going about. It was November the 13th, so obviously the bugs and germs were about at that time. And uh, all night long, he was really, really ill. He was uh, very, very, it was a huge, like so much vomit and diarrhea, and very lethargic. So the next morning, um, I rung my mum and we went to the doctors and they said, look, I would take him straight to A&E. So up we went and as we went into triage, they took the baby girl off him and they said, 
have you seen these spots? And I says, no, uh, I, they're only there. And they just waked him off my arms and they sprinted him out and started, like they were going to sedate him and said, like, we have to start and uh, 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 get him ready for going to the Royal Hospital. He uh, was suspected of meningitis, so he did. He had the menococcal septicemia. And it, do not follow the ambulance because we don't need screaming parents behind the ambulance, which I understood, but that whole way, I even remember the song going to the Royal Hospital that day. My big healthy son just looks so sick. And uh, there's a wee photo, if you can get it, or if not, it's fine. So that was Tyler a week later, so you can see the many chips was out of him. I actually had one, that was the first time I got holding him whenever he was coming. Uh, round and it was just brilliant to get hold of him again and he was coming out of the difficult times so when we got home I like I suppose I just I went to church the following week just to thank God and a man walking in sitting beside me and Ali and she was that proud to come and just went to say look Lord thank you that Tyler is better now and uh, I think I had something in my head like there's always something happening in life and maybe that's me now, so we'll be okay. So we'll just live my own life again. But um, like I, wasn't, I wasn't like bad or anything, but I was just wanting to live life as a young girl because I was only tw 22, 23. So it went on and we had Maya uh, 2002, about a year and a half later and she was a perfect healthy girl and uh, life was really good. July, then October, I got a wild pain in my side and I was rushed into the A&E with uh, appendicitis. And all I remember showing to David that night was, she takes seven ounces in her bottle. And, uh, and I went and got the appendix out, got home again. November came, I got really sick at a clot in my leg. Maya's a baby, Tyler's three, and I got rushed into A&E again. Well, not rushed, but was, um, I was admitted to A&E, and I had this clot in the leg, and they kept just having me down as like a viral infection. But halfway through that week, my granny was in the ward too, which was unreal, but she really kept me seeing that whole week. I got a phone call from my mum to say Tyler was away up to uh, the Royal Hospital. He was in the infectious disease unit beside the intensive care um, he's got the same as you. And I was like, but they haven't really diagnosed me with anything. But I wasn't well, but they hadn't died. So he got diagnosed with the brain strain of meningitis and I couldn't even be with him. So Dave was going from the Royal to the Antrim to home to a baby and my mum was looking after Maya and that was really difficult for her because it's quite contagious. So she was keeping a real eye on her. And once I got home again, I... I think I went to church again and thanked the Lord again. I was still there, I was still praying. Um, when Tyler had the meningitis, the nuns in Fatima were praying for us because Dave's family had the whole Catholic, everybody was praying. I appreciated every single prayer. I actually met one of the nuns. And uh, uh, I remember just wanting to be a Christian, but not, not real. I was, just wasn't ready. By my last wild night out, I really do believe, uh, about a year after that, and I went to the Robbie Williams concert with my sister and two friends, and I came home and I just cried for a week, and I said today, when I looked at Tyler and Maya, I'm just the worst mum in the world. I just, I can't do this here anymore. And uh, he thought I was going absolutely nuts, but 
uh, I was obviously under deep conviction that I did not know that. And um, it's only when you look back, you see what God has done and the faithfulness of God. And I think there's some of my stories in here that you'll see that. So one of my friends at work says to me, I'm a hairdresser, have been for 30 years. So in the hairdressing industry, you do not hear often, I would like to be a Christian, he says to me. And I says, so would I. And he goes, let's go to Victory Praise this Sunday night. So down we went to Victory Praise, and uh, they were carrying Bibles in. And I was like, they're absolutely mad. Like, they're carrying Bibles into church. And I went in, and they were hugging me. And I love Victory Praise, by the way. It's just my, my perception at that time. And they had the hands in the air, and they were singing for God. And I was these are really, this is really different, like, but it was actually the word that got me that night, and it was Willis Madol got up and spoke of the love of God, and I had, I did not think God loved me with everything I had done, and, and just sin, I suppose, but, and I just thought I was letting him down all the time, and, uh, I went home that Sunday night and thought, I don't know how I'm going to tell Dave, but I really want to be a Christian now. So the Monday, I paced back and forward, and I thought, well, what's the word? I got down beside him a double bed, and I says, Lord, I'm asking you into my life today, and uh, please help me. So I continued on hairdressing and shake, and uh, whatever my chat was, this lady burled around her chair, Joan Wallace, she was a a Hill Street Baptist woman, she was amazing, and she says, Charlotte, did you give your life to the Lord? And I says, I did, because <laughs> the hairdressing industry was just really hard, and she says, come to my house every Tuesday night, and I'll teach you the Bible, and I honestly tell you, see if you ever get an invitation, young people, of somebody mentoring you, that is the best thing that ever happened to me, because there I didn't even realize I was getting a deep ingrained word and I had no one supporting me or picking me up at that time I've plenty of friends in tonight that are definitely in here tonight or part of my journey but just that word of God getting put in you and, I, and I, I put that woman's head away with questions and I'm glad I did now so um Dave of course still saying Charlotte do what you like and I'm going around every church in Ballymena I actually got embarrassed myself I was sitting at the back seat of every church and uh, I did finally find my home got my kids settled in it a few years later I'm not very good at the times and it was always a few years later um Tyler's looking unwell again and he's 10 years old and I went up and got him bloods and uh by that night, he had been at boxing training. He was extremely pale. Uh, he had vomited a couple of times in summer. This was September. And I thought he had maybe got like um, uh, diabetes. And I had him diagnosed with everything bar this. But anyway, um, they rung me that night from Dalriada. They said, I would get your son straight to hospital. So what we went again. I'm a Christian at this time, so this is amazing. It's such a difference from what it was in the meningitis days with the fear and anxiety, not that I haven't suffered fear, and I will get to that there, but um, I was just like, God, you're with me in this, I know you are, and we got up to the hospital, and the following day, actually, he came into the room, the doctor says, is your husband about, and I says, no, but I am not waiting to hear what you have to say, because I know it's bad if they wanted the two of us there, so they just took me out the corridor, not even into a wee room, and he just said, um, your son has Hodgkin's lymphoma. Well, we think they obviously had to go through the tests, and I'm 
stupid really I went what's that and he says cancer of the glands and I was like oh cancer you just it's not a word you want to hear especially if you're a child so I'm going in to face a 10 year old boy lying in a bed and I thought I can't show him fears and he says to me what's wrong mama I says we well, have to go to the royal and you know I'm like about driving Tyler and he says oh no and that was how I got out of that one Dave comes up, gets the news, took it completely different from me. He didn't want anybody around him. He was, well, he was bad, he was nearly sick. And that journey really began. So uh, the, when we got home from the Royal, they let us out for the weekend and we were to be, or from the anteroom, we were to be in the Royal on the Sunday. On the Saturday night, Tyler slept in beside me and the sweat was blinding him. That's what one of the symptoms was because of the glands. And I woke up, if I even slept, I do remember right now, and says, look God, I want a word from you. I really want a word from you. And I opened my book and this is why I had to go back to this one here. Tyler's picture's still in it. Once you get a word, you claim it, and it's still above his bed today. And um, I just, it just fell open at Psalm 41, and it says, Happy is the person who thinks about the poor. When trouble comes, the Lord will save him. The Lord will protect him and spare his life and will bless him in the land. He will not let his enemies take him. The Lord will give him strength when he is sick, and he will make him well again. And I just shut my Bible, and when I sleep, and... He will make him well again. But the one, the one thing I absolutely loved in that verse when I studied it out was he will um, bless him in the land because we can all be healed in heaven. But I wanted Tyler with us for a lot longer than that. So uh, the miracles in and along from September to January to his last chemo was that uh, his swine flu was about, he didn't get swine flu, he didn't get flu, he didn't get colds, he didn't get anything. And uh, they were miracles at that time because that would have put the chemo off. So God was just all in the wee details. He's, he's just amazing. And uh, Tyler's attitude was amazing. And he says to me one day, um, Mom, and he was bald, three stone on a wee, uh, wee scars here when they went in with the glands. Um, and I said, if any of my friends ask me where I am, you tell them I've joined the army. And I said... Right, okay, so I'll do that. But I loved it. I, I loved his attitude through it. It was great. It was only God. It was only God. like I also watched a lot of Louis Gigolo, How Great Is Thy God? And he was very into the galaxy. It was very visual. And I remember when Dave was at the Royal and I was at home with Maya, who a wee bit fierce instilled in her, but she'd done a lot of crying going to sleep. I used to watch this and go, like, do you ever think about the vastness of God? So this was visual to me, and I'm looking at him, and he's making everything so amazing. I'm going, oh, Lord, if you have, you can make all this, you can do anything, you'll heal Tyler. And um, I know everybody doesn't get healing. I have no understanding of that, but I can just tell my story, and that's the beauty of a testimony, because it is, you know, and I, I just, I loved watching him through it. Um... Dave got saved through it, so that was amazing. And uh, we were going to church as a family, and things were amazing for a few years. That really, really good. Just really, uh, God was good, and we were attending church. And then uh, a few years later, 
we were down in the Port Main Gillian one uh, bank holiday. And I'm going to rewind a wee bit to when Maya was born from six months to 14 years old, she coughed and she spluttered and she had chest infection after chest infection and me and Dave like didn't sleep literally, that is the truth. I used to walk in for her and go, please don't cough. And if the coughing was there, you just knew we were in for no sleep at all. So she's P7 at this time, whatever age that was, few years on and uh, out of the blue, she says in Portage that day, my legs are sore and I said, what do you mean your legs are sore? My legs are really sore, mum, I need to go home. So we're heading to the car and uh, the whole way home in the car is going, my legs are really sore, my legs are really sore. We got home and her temperature was sore high, 39, 40. And I says to Dave, Dave, I'm taking her to Dalriada. And he says, no, it's all right, put Calpol and I'm away to the gym. And that's men for you, isn't it? So... Uh, Woman's instinct, mother's instinct, I says, no, I'm going to do it, So we went and they put the wee thing in her finger and uh, they went straight to any. And I went, okay, well, I was getting used to this by this time because we never actually ever nearly got to uh, we Every time we went to D-Dog, we went straight to Under Mary and that is the truth. Gillian will fight for that one there. And I said, Dave, I'm going to an Eve with Maya. So she was in the oxygen. They were taking blood out of her. And it was getting later on. It was about 10 o'clock. Dave says, I'll come up, stay with her, Charlotte. Go you on home and get Tyler sorted. And I'll come up in the morning. So when I went into the car that night, unbeknown to me, this is, this is only when you look back, I always had um, a C CD in the car. And uh, I was this song come on and I just decided I'll just worship God the whole way down the motorway. I should have been arrested. The roof was nearly off. And this was the song that come on. I'll never forget it. And it's only again when you look back because there was one wee line in it that really, really struck me. And I mean, if you'd have seen me, I was probably like Sam, I worshiping that night. Really taking the roof off. I'm going to read just the, the lines of it because if I could sing it, I would and I don't have a note. Um, the moon and stars, they wept. The morning sun was dead. The saviour of the world was fallen. His body on the cross, his blood poured out for us, the weight of every curse upon him. One, of, one final breath he gave, as heaven looked away, the son of God was laid in darkness. A battle in the grave, the war on death was waged, the power of hell forever broken. The ground began to shake, the stone was rolled away, his perfect love could not overcome. Now death, where is your sting? Well, I raised that. Death, where is your sting? Our resurrected king has rendered your defeat it. Forever he is glorified, forever he is lifted high, forever he is risen. He is alive, he is alive. And I built that out the whole way down home. Got Tyler sorted into bed up the next morning and back up to Tyler or Maya. Got confused, Shannon. No, well, in the hospital. <laughs> and uh, Michaela Blair was actually in my wee girl at the time. She goes, Charlotte, they never left my alone all night. And I says, What did they not? Dave didn't even say that to me. And I was like, The doctor came round in the, the rounds at 10, 10 or 11 in the morning. And he says, What do you think of your daughter? And I said, um, I think she looks a bit brighter. I haven't a clue. Like, she had an oxygen mask on and all. And he goes, she was that from AC, ICU in the Royal Children's last night. And I was like, right, she has double pneumonia. So 
she spent a week there and uh, a long recovery road after that. She couldn't do her last sports day or anything. She was P7 and she was off for a, for a good wee while off school. And Maya being as determined as she is was re ready to go back at any stage. So um, then one night we were at church and she was 14 years old by this time. And it was a healing night and uh, it's amazing the healing prayer for next week because I, I really believe in that. And I bounced up and said, right, Maya, come on, fed up with us here. And we just approached a girl that we knew a bit and wasn't overly friendly with her. But um, she says, Maya, when you're coming towards me, I just see a trumpet and all the pipes need cleaned out. And I said, I don't know about the trumpet, but she definitely needs her pipes cleaned out. So we all prayed, and Maya's never needed an inhaler to this day. I know, it is, it's just God. It's nothing to do with us. But I'll, my next bit, I'll come to how I feel about all of that. Um, a few years after that, Dave got sick, and he has pain here. That's all I can describe, and he kept going on about it. So if you offer Dave a pudding and he refuses it, he's very sick. <laughs> very sick. And I'm like, what's wrong with him? So this went on, GP didn't really know what was um, wrong with him. And one Saturday morning, I was cleaning downstairs, come up and he was lying in bed and I went, Dave, you're yellow. And he went, Mama, I says, you, you're yellow. I was like, absolutely by myself. I says, Mom, you'll have to sort the kids out. He's going to A&E and I'm not moving to they sort him. So they, they, they brought him in and, and a, a week on, they... Um, he was diagnosed, well, he had to get a biopsy, but it was an autoimmune disease, the hepatitis of the liver. So when we were in the ward, um, a really, another lady that really helped me in life, she says, Charlotte, you get up there and you pray for Dave because you have more authority over Davey than anybody else praying for him because when two become one in your marriage, you have the authority over that. And I went, that's right. So I got the big battlefield on me again and up I went and I uh, prayed every night going when I was lying in the ward and Dave got friendly with the wee man Matt in the ward and visited him right to his death and, and he got saved. So God always uses situations to, you, you know, make it amazing. And uh, Dave actually only got the letter in a couple of months ago because I he didn't really care. He says, your liver's normal. <laughs> I was so excited. So his liver's normal now. Uh, I can't really tell you how that he believed one night he was healed, but there was one doctor in the middle of it said he wasn't sure if he had it. And Dave just says, I'm coming off my medication. And I was like, right. And uh, his liver is completely normal. So as I was pondering this here, um, uh, getting prepared for this week, I just thought about Tyler's story and it being the word. I stood in the word. Uh, with uh, Maya's story, it was the worship in the car. And with Dave's, it was the prayer. And uh, I just love the way God equips us for this world with all his tools and all his, um, his equipment of worship, prayer, and the word. And I was reading my wee notes, and it was the wee praying parent ones of um, God fights the battle, and our fight is actually with the devil. 
um, the flesh in ways too. And if you're facing trying situations, stand strong in, in prayer and worship and the word until you see a breakthrough in any situation you're facing, never give up. And uh, I suppose there's, there's the, perfect, the perfect parent, but there's the praying parent. And I just would say to everybody, you can't be perfect, but you can pray. And uh, I blame myself for an awful lot of things when that was going on. And um, it's wrong thinking, really, to do that there. But uh, God just had it all, and it was just amazing, the difference on a praying parent. And we can't be perfect, but we can pray. I have suffered with um, fear on and off through through that there, and that, that there is normal, I suppose, but um, I go to God, I immediately go to God, I suppose at the time of the car when Maya was sick, I could have gotten and cried the whole way home, that would have been fine, but I chose to worship, and you choose to pray, so when fear comes in or something happened, I have battled other things, even from Davy's illness, but um, I, I go to the prayer room, and I love that there, that you just, uh, I'm probably more of a prayer than anything and um, I just would love that if there was prayer teams here tonight and you're suffering fear or anything like that there that just to come forward but um, the fear is it's gripping but it when, when you get when, it, when I'm getting good but it's like one wee thing will just come in like the devil and it's like a wee scab coming off but then God heals you straight away again it's just knowing what to do with that there um, John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down their life for his friends, that being Christ laid down his life for us. And that is just the most amazing story you'll ever, ever hear. He laid, he laid down his life for us to have complete freedom. And I've thanked God, Jesus for his birth, his ministry, his life, and given us that beautiful example we always concentrate on the cross and that is absolutely correct but the example of Jesus if you read Matthew Mark Luke and John he's an absolute gentleman full of grace and mercy and yes he 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 did get angry whenever uh, they were disrespecting the, the house of prayer God's place and um, I just have loved um, them thanking him for the cross the blood and he is at the right hand of the Father, petitioning for every one of our prayers today. And that's you should never, ever give up. So, um, Tyler is 24. He has been through three years of Bible college. So, what the devil meant for bad, the Lord, the Lord turned to total good. And uh, the, the Maya is 21, and it's Dram Millis. And if ever I've seen anybody so excited to be in a classroom, and to be a teacher, that is her. And we need Christian teachers in our schools today for the kids. And I pray for you every day. And um, I, I, just, I just thank you. That, uh, the people in here tonight, I see your wee faces, the Karen and Jackies and my sister, it'd be Georgia Kim, just for love and support over life of Christian and being there for us and that's what we are to do because God commands a blessing where there's unity and um, I just thank you for listening to me and that's just my story.
It is really, really good to hear someone's story and to hear how God works with them and deals with them. And, and your story won't be Charlotte's story, and Charlotte's story may not necessarily be your story, but we, we have the same God. We have the same God. I'm going to give you a little text, and I'm going to tell you what I've, I've been sitting on this little text now for the last four weeks. And you'll find it in Amos chapter 4 and verse 12. And I'm going to take this wee text, and I'm only speaking for about 10 minutes, because I have 10 minutes, and I said, Sharon, or Charlotte, I want to be like, uh, like Stephen. I, want, I came prepared to say nothing, all right? But this has been burning in my heart. And I'm going to take a text and turn it right around. You'll find it in Amos chapter 4 and verse 12. And much of what Charlotte has said will be involved in this little text, uh, by the way that I'm taking it. It says... Therefore, thus will I do to you, O Israel, and because I will do this to you, prepare to meet your God. Amos is written, uh, in a sense, to God's people who have turned away from him. And God, you'll, you'll notice in a few minutes that God has been working tirelessly to get them to turn to him. And, and if you read, you'll read verses 6 of chapter 4, Verse 7 of chapter 4, verse 9 of chapter 4, verse 10 and verse 11, of the lengths to which God went, the things that God had to do. And yes, Charlotte, it ties in with your testimony. God allows sickness. God allows trial. God allows tribulation. He sent them cleanness of teeth as one of the texts. In other words, starvation. He, 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 them, he made a distinction between certain groups and certain, uh, certain uh, tribes. In other words, he showed preference for one tribe over the other. And all the while, and this ties up with what Edwin was saying this morning, well, sometimes whenever God's working in our lives, we think God's working against us when he's actually working in us and for us. And even though we're running up and down to the hospital and running out to the doctors and we're waiting on blood, blood results and all sorts we have to start identifying the fact that God was working, trying to get us to look to him. And he had. But no matter what God did with the people in Amos' day, he says, yet you have not turned to me. And he says in our text then, and because I have done this, prepare to meet God. Now, I'm not terming this, test, this message, prepare for the worst. Because that's what that text means. That's like a text. It's like, a, it's like, a, it's like a, 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 an ultimatum that's coming from a super general onto a, a rebellious state. Waking up, wise up, because I'm on the way. And he was coming in judgment. And then I've been thinking, Lord, what if the shoe is on the other foot? What if there's people here tonight and they have sensed God has been working. They have known that God has been stirring their hearts. And they have come to that place where they're willing and ready to open their hearts to him and let God have his way. Well, instead of preparing for the worst, prepare for the best. Because once you allow God. Uh, listen folks, God often speaks through sermons, he speaks through servants, he speaks through the scriptures, and he speaks through situations, all to get people to turn to him. 
And so tonight, for the next eight minutes, I am going to say to you, if God has been dealing in your heart and you've recognized his speaking voice, prepare to experience the best that God has. Here's a few wee headings then. Prepare to experience life. Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. He also said, I give unto you eternal life and no man can pluck me, pluck you out of my Father's hand. Whenever we think of what Jesus said here, we often think of the longevity, the quantity of life. But whenever Jesus said these words, he was thinking of the quality of life. The life that we can have in God. My dear friend tonight, if you open your heart to him, and if you give him permission to own your heart, the life of God will flood your soul. That's what he said when he said to Nicodemus, except the man is born again. In other words, except the man is born from above. The moment you open your heart to him and the moment you give in to the claims of Christ for your life, he floods your life with his life. It's the very life of God. Whenever God created Adam and Eve, he said, he breathed into Adam and man became a living soul. You were born dead because you were born dead in trespasses and sin. But whenever Christ comes, you are born again by the Spirit of God. I want to tell you, you haven't seen life. I see boys jumping out of airplanes for the thrill of life. Did you hear the last report of someone that was doing some free diving? And he free dived, free dived to his death because his parachute didn't open. But doing all of that to enjoy life. My dear friends, when you free dive into the arms of God, you'll experience life eternal, life abundant, life for the capital L. Prepare to experience life. Prepared to experience light. I took Esther away for a few days there, as you know. Someone said, you must have went away to the sun. You were only fishing. I didn't go anywhere in the sun. <laughs> went down to Cork. It was about two degrees warmer than here. <laughs> but we were sitting in a restaurant. Saw this man coming in, and he had a pair of dark glasses. He was blind. But I knew by the way the wife was leading him that he was completely and totally blind. I know people can be determined as technically blind, but they can still see bits and pieces. But this man was totally blind. He couldn't see, and you could know by his actions. And I, sometimes I people watch, and I thought to myself, I was looking at that man, I thought to myself, I wonder has he ever seen his wife? Has he ever been able to behold her beauty? Has he, and then I began to wonder about her. I wonder when she buys a new outfit, it's not to impress him because he can't, he can't see her. My dear friend, what it is to be blind to the things of God, but when he comes with his light, your soul floods into light. And the darkest recesses of your very being are flooded into the light of God. And you begin to see what? The beauty of the wife? Well, beauty's in the eye of the beholder, isn't it? But you begin to see the beauty of Jesus. Let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. 
You begin to see his glory, his majesty, all his might, his wonder, his splendor. I mean, someone once got saved, and here was his testimony. He said, even the weeds in the garden were lovely when they flood your life with light. Prepare tonight to experience life. Prepare tonight to experience light. Ah, but it gets better. Prepare to experience his love. We were singing a wee moment. Here is love vast as the ocean. Loving kindness as the flood. We sing oftentimes, I love you, Lord. We sang it this morning and I lift my voice. My dear friend, there's some people and they've mistaken lust for love. But I want to tell you, there is no love, as the hymn writer said, like the love of Jesus, never to fade or fall. Charles Wesley struggled with this whole concept when he said, uh, 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 he talked about uh, uh, God's divine love. How did he put it? He said, love divine, all love's excelling. It is superior to, but it also includes the love that a father can have for his son and a son can have for his father and and a mother for her daughter and a husband for a wife. It's those loves and far, far more. But here's what happens in Romans 5, my favorite verse in all of the scripture. Romans 5 and 5, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. My dear friend, whenever you open your heart to him and when you prepare to meet God, when you open your heart and allow him into your life, he'll flood your soul not only with light, not only with life, life, but he'll also flood it with love. I've met many as a person that said, I don't have those kind of emotions. Well, are you married? Did you ever tell the wife you loved her? And then you see you can't have those kind of emotions. My dear friend, if you haven't got those emotions, God, ask God to give them to you. Because he, that's our privilege tonight, to know the love of God, which passes all understanding. Maybe you don't feel lovable. And the devil, as Charlotte said, would have you looking back at your past and, and cause you to hate yourself. The devil wants you to hate yourself. And God wants you to love him Love one another, and yes, love yourself. Prepare to experience life. Prepare to experience light. Prepare to experience love. Get better. Prepare to experience liberty. Now, I know Stephen was preaching because I listened to it and I wanted to vet him and see how he got on. And boy, I tell you, it made me feel that big. And it was bang, 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 wasn't it? Truth after truth. But in that passage that he preached for him in Galatians 5, he says, don't use your liberty as a license. Paul was dealing with those people who, I'm free to do what, you like, what I like. My dear friend, you're not free to live as you like. But you're free to live as God has planned. You're free to live as God has purposed. And as long as you stay bound and fettered to sin's nature and darkness and night, 
And as long as you're living for self and selfishness, my dear friend, you're not free. And as long as you're living under the law, you're not free because here's the difference between law and love. Can I tell you the difference? Law says there's no forgiveness, but love pricks you in your heart when you've gone astray. And God, by his Holy Spirit, who's faithful to the character of God and to the witness of the gospel, whenever you step over line, you feel pricked in your heart. And it's because of your love for him that you want to turn back and you repent and you dust yourself off and get on with God again. My dear friend, prepare to experience liberty. That liberty that comes from knowing Christ. That liberty that I'm now freed from the old selfish, self-centered, hateful person that I was to now live for him. What liberty? Liberty to love him. Liberty to live for him. Liberty to serve him. Prepare to experience liberty. Prepare to experience his leading. Here's what the psalmist said in Psalm 23. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Do you know what, my dear friend? We are often the times are, are, are the victim of our own silly choices, aren't we? And decisions. Many is a man who was in a hole or in a pit will say, I don't know how I got here. Well, I'll tell you if you don't know. It was your own silly decisions that you took and your own silly choices. The greatest choice that you could ever make is I have decided to follow Jesus. And he'll bring you onto the highway of holiness and he'll lead you in the paths of righteousness for his near, dear name's sake. And then Psalm 23 and verse 4 comes into play. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll not fear what pitfall is going to come my way. I'll not fear what dangerous circumstances around the corner. He knows the way that I take. And when he tried me, I shall come forth as gold. One last little thought which has been burning in my heart now for three weeks. And here it is. When you open your heart to him tonight, you not only experience life, light, love, liberty, and leading, you'll experience lasting peace. The peace of God, as you go through the circumstances of life, you're able to worship him even though you're going to a hospital to see a sick child. That peace that knows the sovereign hand of God is in control of every situation. Now they say that a text out of context is a pretext. Isn't that right? If you're a preacher, you'll know that. But even if it may be a pretext tonight, I'm only telling you what will happen tonight. If through the testimony and through the work of the Spirit of God, that God has been saying, I've been working and working and working in your heart. And instead of rebelling and rejecting him, but decide that you repent and receive him, prepare to meet a God of love, mercy, grace, and compassion. Boy, I would, I would love to test this meeting tonight. But you know what? I've got afraid now of making appeals. You know why that is? Because every time you make an appeal and God has been tugging at a person's heart, 
somehow people struggle and they, they, they stubbornly dug, dig in their heels even though they know that God has been speaking to them. And when you fail to respond to the mercy and the constraints of the Spirit of God, do you know what happens? Your heart gets that little bit harder. And it might be tonight that there are those in this gathering, I trust and pray it's not so, but there may be someone whose heart, the love of God doesn't move you. The light of God doesn't help you. The liberty that God would give you doesn't appeal. The leading of God is unimportant. And lasting peace is just a distant memory. I trust it's not so. Come. Experience God like you've never experienced him before. There'll be people to pray with you tonight. Sam and Sheila and others. Charlotte will pray with you. I'll pray with you. Esther will pray with you. But you, experience, you experience God tonight like never before. And the half hasn't been told of what the Lord can do. Let's bow together in prayer. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for what you do. We thank you, Lord, that you're in the business of making new life out of old wrecks. And Father, we thank you, but for the love of God, we would all be in the most miserable state. But dear God, we pray, some dear soul, having heard Charlotte's testimony, having heard your word, will say tonight, I want God, just like Charlotte said. And we pray that you'll grant it for your sake and for your glory. Lord, defeat the devil and all his tactics tonight and release some soul in freedom to trust in Christ. In his name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. We're going to sing that song that I mentioned to you. Here is love, vast as the ocean, loving kindness as the flood. When the Prince of Life, our ransom, shed for us his precious blood. We'll get you to stand and sing together this great song. It's all stand.
That hymn says it all, doesn't it? You're after singing all those words that we preached about. That can be yours. Prepare to meet your God. Father, we pray your purpose in your field with your blessing. Bring us to our homes, Lord, full of thankfulness for what the Lord has done for us. And may we never underestimate or undervalue what the Lord wants to do for us and what he's doing just now. In Christ's name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much.